everybody. You're listening to On The Fly with Devin and Dana, the show that explains today's biggest topics, trends, and questions for people who love all things multifamily. It's our very first episode of On The Fly with D&D today. Dana, how excited are you for our first episode and today's guest? I'm very excited. So today we have Joe Lubeck, the CEO of American Landmark, and Jim Miller, the president and CFO. Thanks for joining us today for our very first episode. So excited. Of On the Fly with D&D. So let's get right into it. We have a little icebreaker for the two of you. And here's what we're going to do. You have buzzers in front of you. And we're going to ask you five questions to see how well you really know American Landmark and your podcast hosts. Yeah. How well do you guys know us and American Landmark? Only five questions. Yeah. There's only five. So here we go. The first question. Now, whoever buzzes in first wins. All right. What's Devin's title? Director of Marketing. Yes, very good. All right, right Jim. Jim, Jim got, oh, that Jim one. got that one. One point for Jim. Well, I could see it on your sheet. Well, Shoot. Can I win this by promoting you to Senior Managing Director of Marketing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. The second question is, how many years has Dana been with American Landmark? Five. No. No. Jim? Six? Yes. yes. So close. Jim's winning. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. How many states do we have properties in right now? Joe? Seven. Yes. 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 Seven. We just added Virginia. How many properties do we own today? <laughs> Joe? 94. We don't have that. I don't have that. that that's correct. Oh, it is? <laughs> I looked on the website. <laughs> It's www.alapts.com. Oh. We should have done our Hey, Dana. I thought you updated this <laughs> first. Okay. And then how many units do we have? Whoever gets closest without going over will get this. <laughs> Joe. So the answer is whatever I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> because do you count just what we currently own what? or what we're building no, just what or we what we have under contract? What we currently own today. 30400 Not- 30,000? Yeah. Okay. Do you know? Do you have an answer? That's probably correct. He's, he's, yeah, he's close. Yeah, I was going to say he's probably correct. Hey, he whatever makes the boss man happy. Yep. 29,202. That was when you only had 93 properties, though. So now oh. that it's 94. Shoot. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Plus, right. so there's Joe. another 1,000 under construction, and there's another 2,000 under contract. I'm pretty sure Joe knows the pipeline better than us. Yep. Okay. okay. Joe won. Joe won. Three to two. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and for that, I get his club seats for these playoffs this weekend. Oh, there you go. There you go. I like that. Is All it right. in Tampa? It's in Tampa. All right. Tampa. Good. And now, we're, no more buzzers. Yeah, no we're done buzzers. with the buzzers now. We're on, on yes. to more interesting Congratulations, questions. Congratulations, Yeah. Um, your prize is that you get to have a picture with us. Yes. After. That's fantastic. Yes. And I want a copy framed. <laughs> Yes. 
for the uh, official first episode. Yeah. Um, so we want to know how Jim and Joe became a team. Um, you know, what was your path to get there um, to where you are today? Well, I'll let Jim tell that story. <laughs> but I, I, I do remember our first meeting. And I had gotten his resume, which was very impressive. And I asked him for a meeting. And I picked a rather unusual spot. And I'll let him tell you the rest. <laughs> yeah, he did. So uh, it was Signature Air in Tampa. And Joe was going to the Bucks game. So I put on my suit. I was all nervous. And I sat in the, uh, the lobby of the airport that he was coming in at. And this plane pulls up. And I'm looking for Joe. And off comes a gentleman who is Mike Barardi Sr., one of Joe's first partners. And then a young boy who was Joe's son. And then two girls, uh, which are his daughters. And then Pam came off. And I'm like, what am I doing here? So Joe comes off, and they all sit down on the couch to interview with me. The they family, were going to the, the Bucks game. Too. The family, mm-hmm. yep. So <laughs> we were there about five and a half minutes. And I told them very proudly that I had done 16 deals in four and a half years. And he chuckled. Um, and said, well, you'll be doing that probably in about a month. So he was not lying, and uh, that, that's how it all started. Did you get to go to the Bucks game? I did not. Mm. Did you get the job? He offered me the job, but then I, made, I came and met with him again on a Saturday, and we uh, met some more, and I met the board, and, and uh, that was it. I was signed up and ready to go and did 30 deals the first 90 days, Sold 30 and bought 30 the first 90 days. What year was that? 2000, the uh, beginning of 2005. 2005. Yeah. Is that how you remember it, Jeff? And it's been a marriage made in heaven ever <laughs> since. <laughs> and the only the, the thing that's critical to remember that's made this relationship so long-lasting, aside from, in all sincerity, we like each other and we have mutual respect and we've really worked together as a team. But Jim also, I think, really enjoys that I'm not in Tampa where he is every day, and so that he gets plenty of proper warning anytime I'm going to come visit the main office. Yes, Jerry is. Jerry knows she has a special phone. She calls me. <laughs> you have your own Joe phone, like I, a bat phone. I have a 42 minute window, so I can get off the golf course and get back to work. <laughs> uh, so, how did you guys um, start in the industry? So we know how you guys met each other and how you joined as a team. Um, Joe, how did you start in the multifamily industry? Well, my real start in the multifamily industry was actually in fourth grade. <laughs> and uh, at that time, um, I came from a you know very humble family, and I had to have a job before school. And I would uh, go up the block to a little 30-unit apartment building that was about two blocks away from me, and I had to go before school, and I would sweep the halls and shovel the snow if it was winter, take out the trash, and I had to polish the brass railing in the elevator, which was a big thing to the owner. And uh, then I would come back after school and tag along with the maintenance guy. Now that actually, in my view at that time, was going to make sure I never was in the multifamily industry (laughs) and never wanted to see an apartment building again and got myself through law school and then through a number of interesting events, I ended up being a lawyer for a company that owned apartments. One thing led to another, and then I took the opportunity when the time was right in 1995 to go out and buy my first building myself and take the risk to become an entrepreneur um, with the 
backing of my wife. She only cried for three or four days uh, after that decision to leave my job and buy a little building. And we bought one building um, in St. Petersburg, uh, Florida, that I'll never forget on, I believe it was 54th Street North, called King's Inn. Mm -hmm. And uh, I proudly put up the big sign that said, another fine landmark apartment. Of course, it was the only landmark apartment. But that's really my story. And the rest, as they say, is history. I like that story. I do too. Yeah, that's a good one. Jim, how did you start? So I, uh, when I was looking at my career, my dream job was to, um, I was looking for something secure. So I said, well, I want to work for a publicly traded company. And uh, at that point, the computer industry was taking off. So I'm like, well, I want to work in the the computer sector. So I was a controller for a Fortune 300 company. So I worked all the way up to that. And I thought I got it made. And, um, and then about two years into that, um, there was about 15,000 employees. They decided that uh, they were going to sell the company. So I was the 15th employee left. So I had to rethink what I wanted to do. And so I remember talking to my dad, and I said, you know, I've got to find something that's secure. And he goes, well, what about real estate? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, it's not going anywhere. It's there. It's insured. And you can drive by and see it every day. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that sounds pretty good. So uh, uh, my college roommate... Uh, had just started a real estate company and he needed somebody to come work for him. And he, so he taught me real estate and, um, learned all of it very slowly and over four and a half years. And that's how I got into it. But I think the one thing that, um, I really wanted was I wanted a lot more, um, energy, excitement, challenges. And the piece that was missing was really Joe and what he brings to American Landmark. So I feel like I got really lucky because I learned the business very slowly and then took off like crazy with Joe and it's never stopped for 17 years. Yeah. Joe, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things that have happened during your lifetime in multifamily. We know how you started. We know how you guys met, but um, let's talk a little bit about the last um, landmark, I should say. So after your sale to Starwood, what made you want to start a new build? Well, first and most importantly, when we sold to Starwood, we sold them property assets, but we didn't sell them the platform. And we didn't do that for a good reason. We felt that the operating company had a lot of value, and they really wanted to buy it, but we had no interest in selling it. Why? Because I felt we had assembled such a fabulous team, and that's really the heart and soul of our success, is the team that we've built at Landmark. And I felt that that was an asset you couldn't put a price on, and that that was a great tool. Of course, keep in mind, when we sold to Starwood, we only sold to public companies, so we still had a certain uh, X number of thousand units left as well. And even though financially, I guess I could have retired, most importantly, my wife had no interest in seeing me at home. Um, I love what I do, and I love the people that I do it with. And um, my key investor said to me, uh, my partner um, from Israel, one of our biggest investors for 15 years, said to me, So how many more years are we going to do this, presuming I'm going to keep doing it? And I said, well, I promise you at least 20. And uh, the retirement lasted about a minute and a half. (laughs) And we were really excited to take off again and, of course, um, continue to work with the team we built, continue to build the company, make it bigger, better, smarter than we ever were, and continue doing that every day. And I keep learning from the people I'm with. Um, I say in all sincerity that I try and surround myself with people who are smarter than I am. And not only does that make me look pretty good, 
but I also learn something every day. And as long as I'm learning something every day and feel like I'm also um, doing good while doing well, I'm going to keep marching. We want you to keep marching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you feel is the biggest strength of our company right now besides Devin and I? <laughs> <laughs> we know we're the biggest strength right now. but <laughs> Well, we know. It's a lot of really strong women. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I think the biggest strength of our company is is uh, there's not one person in the company that won't roll up their sleeves and That's help true. and jump in. Mm-hmm. There's That's not true. there's no hierarchy. We're all pretty much the same, and I love that that culture. I love that. That's the way we are, and I think the people that come into that company that like that really helps build the team. Yeah, I would agree. As I just said a moment ago, um, the real strength of the company and 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 the wonderful thing about the company is the team that we've built um, and the way the team um, has shows enthusiasm, continues to learn, continues to improve, and that everybody pitches in and works together. When someone needs help, nobody's too big to say, that's not my job. Yeah. And that culture has really permeated, um, honestly, from the top to the bottom and everywhere in between. Yeah, I tell people all the time that I don't think I've ever worked for a company where Dana and I, in our positions, get to go out and have so much experience and so much time with the teams. Um, During COVID, when we were able to go out and help the teams and really be there for them and help support them, Mm -hmm. go out even just leasing apartments, it was really nice to be able to just get out there and do everything with them and help support them during that time. And the team enjoys that too. Yeah, Yeah. it's been really nice to have that time with them and, and see everybody in the corporate office really just, you know, like you said, roll up their sleeves and just get out and help everybody out. So... I tell people that in their interviews or people that we talk to about our company, we're so horizontal. Everybody just gets out and does everything. I don't know any other company where all the COOs know the employees at their properties or you guys go out to all the properties and do visits. And it's always so nice to have that. People get so excited. Yeah. Well, it's corny, but it's all about the team. (laughs) It is. It really really is. It's really a team effort and it's a very flat company. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody's too big or too small to do anything. And we really focus on our three constituencies. You know, we focus on our team members, we focus on our customers, the residents, and we focus on satisfying our investors. And as long as we can continue to work together to satisfy each of those constituencies, we'll continue to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the people on site, all of our team members, they really feel that everybody cares about them. And when they're happy, it makes all of our customer service so much better. It makes the residents happy. It just continues to have that natural flow yeah. with everybody. So it's nice. We can like definitely it. feel it. And it's wonderful as part of that when we see the number of people who are promoted from within and who may have started in one position and go to another and another or move from a smaller property to a larger property, not just to advance their careers and advance themselves financially, but take on more responsibility and then train their successors which is one of the most exciting things to watch, is as team members help each other and pull each other up the ladder. Absolutely. I love it. What I about agree. challenges? What, what challenges does our industry face right now? Um, I would say probably personnel is yeah, a big challenge, sure. yeah. mm-hmm. uh, primarily on the maintenance side. Um, we've put a big push on trying to recruit the best talent, but uh, there's a lot of other industries pulling uh, the maintenance group and in all of our groups, but um, I think what we try to do is bring in the best we can and be straight up with them, 
show them what the company's about. And I, I think our re, our retaining ability for those employees has been very good. So we've been able to balance that out. But that's, a, I think, the biggest challenge. And I think we see also on the uh, global scale from 40,000 feet that particularly in our market and in our geographic um, targets, uh, there's more competition than ever. And there's a lot of people, of course, who would like to imitate the secret sauce that we've been uh, producing now for 25 years. And uh, we find a lot of people in the industry as newcomers to the industry. And while that does make it a challenge for us, um, it also continues to push us to improve every day and be bigger, better, smarter. You know, we talk about how American Landmark is so excellent. You know, we're, you know, experience excellence and that's our tagline. We, we love to say that we're so excellent. So, um, you know, we always talk about that. What do you think makes us so excellent? What makes our company so excellent? Well, I think we make it a pleasant and rewarding place to work. It's very important for people to have a career, not just the job. That's important. But fundamentally, as a business, I think we truly have a sincere and honest commitment to customer service. And we're delivering great products and great services to our residents. And that truly, I think, not only sets us apart, but that's really how we define excellence, is how satisfied are our customers at the end of the day? And similarly, how satisfied are our team members to be part of the team? How satisfied are our investors with our returns? And I think we deliver on all three of those. So speaking of our people, how do you motivate your teams? Threats. <laughs> I mean, we always have to keep our teams motivated, right? And it's been hard, you know, through COVID and we've had a lot of challenges the last two years. So how do you guys find, you know, Jim, you manage a lot of people. We have a lot of people in our office. How do you do that? Um, well, every day is a challenge. You don't really know what you're going to experience in the multifamily industry. I think everyone listening to this could agree if you're in the multifamily industry. But I think the what I always try to do is um, my biggest thing is communication, whether you want to hear it or you don't want to hear it. And um, we, you know, Rachel is a big uh, driver of that, being our chief administrative officer, but um, really big on communicating with the teams. Uh, I never want somebody to not know what's going on with the company, what direction is going on, because I always hated that when I was climbing up my career of not knowing. Um, that's the worst thing you can have. So communication to me is, I think, important. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with opportunity. That when people see that they have an opportunity to advance personally, that the company is going to continue to grow, and that it's a pleasant and motivating environment. I think that's really critical. Um, as long as they have a good work environment, Obviously, personal rewards like pay, like advancement, all of those things are very relevant, but none of those mean anything if you have an unpleasant place to work or if it's not a cooperative environment. So you really need to bake that cake with all the right ingredients. I like that, baking the cake. <laughs> we talked a little bit about our competitors earlier um, and how we stand out, uh, you know, the difference between our competitors and us. Um, what makes us the unique unicorn that we are? What, you know, what makes us different than everybody else? Besides our people, we know about our people and how great we are with customer service. But what other things make us stand out from our competitors? I'd say the biggest thing is focus. We know what we do. We know what we don't do. 
Many of our competitors, if they're in the management business, they do manage their own properties, they manage other properties, they manage retail, they manage office, they do other things. Many of our competitors who started in the South have now expanded nationally, internationally, and that's fine. And I, of course, wish them well, and many of them have done extremely well. But I think where we're critically different is focus. We know what we do. We are clearly best in class at what we do. And we want to keep getting better and better at what we do, not finding new things to do. You've got to be find that thing that you're good at and just do it well, right? And keep getting better. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say also, too, uh, the way we are is if we do make a mistake, uh, we all hold it together and we come up with a better way to um, correct that. So we, I think we learn as we grow um, and we build a portfolio of things that we want to do and how we want to do it. And then we also learn from the things that we don't want to do. So I think everyone's focused on that. And you see that a lot anywhere from the minute we buy it to the minute we sell it, that execution's out there um, by, by learning and by doing. And if we have a challenge, it's not about placing blame. It's about finding solutions. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so a couple of things we do different from our competitors. Uh, I'd love to talk about our programs a little bit. So, Joe, you're wearing our Landmark 360 shirt, which is awesome. Um, we have our 360 promise uh, to both our residents of our great customer service that we want to provide to them. Uh, also to our employees to make sure that we're providing them with great mentors and being able to provide them with good leadership. But I specifically wanted to bring up our artist in residence program a little bit. Um, and really what inspired you to want to start our artist in residence program? Well, my overall mantra for living, there's many different ways to phrase it, but to do well while doing good. And being involved in doing something um, that's good for the community and good for individuals and also can benefit the bottom line, to me, is a great um, tool for success, a great route to success. I happen to have a daughter who's an artist, and we were talking about it, and we said, you know... We think that having an art program, we started thinking about for children at the communities. And what are new amenities? You know, there's all kinds of new amenities coming up. We said, you know, well, what about an art program for children? And then actually, I have to give a credit to my daughter. She said, well, what about an artist in residence program where the artist can benefit from a free apartment and the artist can provide um, artistic programming, not just for children, but for residents of the community. And it's everything from the wine and draw to a kid's event, to any one of a playing with clay, to any one of a number of things. And uh, you're not only doing something positive for artists who typically are starving artists and need some help, particularly in their younger years. And at the same time, we said, this is a fantastic thing for residents that they'll enjoy and may enhance their um, satisfaction and maybe they'll stay longer and it'll benefit us not just from our bottom line so again we're doing well while doing good and that was the concept and sure enough it's worked out great and we want to keep expanding it and the feedback from residents has been off the charts fantastic agreed yeah, yeah. the feedback has been so good and i just saw the article yesterday that we're on our third round we're interviewing for our third round of artists and residents at our uh, Texas, Tampa, South Florida properties. So yes. super excited to go into our third round. And we're going to keep expanding every year. We'll do a couple more. Of course, it started with one, then three, then five. And yes. it's it, it's very exciting. And we've also, of course, gotten real um, thank yous from the artists themselves. 
because not only has it been a place for them to live and work and develop their skills, but they've in, improved their interpersonal relationships, their ability to teach art, to talk about their art. So everybody's won. I agree. Yeah, it's been a really great program. I love it. All right, Jim, what's the most important lesson you've learned over your career? I've learned a lot of lessons, but, but I would say the most... listeners, so don't forget that. True. <laughs> uh, um, the most important lesson I've learned over my career... Uh, is basically to be a good listener. Um, I, and I I can say over my career, I was not a good listener for a long time, but luckily I've surrounded myself with really good people that point out that. And so years ago, probably five years ago, I changed and I became a good listener. I like um, that. And I also give credit my wife for that as well. So. <laughs> we would love to know what your biggest failures were. And what you learned from them. So, Joe, what was your biggest failure? Well, my biggest real failure, um, you know, was certain properties. And there's only been a couple, thank God, uh, that I can count on a handful, um, where I varied from our plans. And I either, because an investor asked us to, or I tried to see something different and fit a square peg in a round hole, um, that I took my eye off the ball. And whenever I took my eye off the ball and varied from our formula for success, um, and sometimes, like Jim said, not listening to someone saying, don't do that. And I'd say, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll work. Um, So I would say those couple of properties have been learning experiences. And I continue to learn, not just from that, but um, certainly uh, one property in particular that I can remember where we really... Um, should have done it differently or maybe not done at all. And I tried to force the square peg into the round hole. So that was a learning experience for me. And again, it's stick to what you know, or as my grandmother used to say, stick to your knitting. (laughs) A lot of people um, ask me that. I know they're like, "Uh, why do you guys only stick to the certain markets you're in or the certain states? Are you guys ever going to buy in Denver or California? I'm like, no, we just, we stay to where we're at. And they're like, why? I'm like, because we, that's what we know. Like, we stayed in the markets where we're going to make money, and we do well, and this is what we do. And they're like, oh, that's a good plan. Well, we clearly have a com- – <laughs> in the markets we're in, we clearly are best in class, and we clearly have a competitive advantage. Agreed. So, and I, I joke sometimes with investors. They say, why don't you buy in Seattle? And I used to say, well, so I'll look as dumb going to Seattle as the Seattle guy looks today coming to Miami. Exactly. <laughs> and you really need to stick to what you know. Agreed. Jim, your biggest failure? Uh, well, the, the, the deals Joe was talking about, I, I, I yeah, t- they were Jim's fault. They were, they were my fault. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have three losses and 520 wins, but I'll take it. Yes. Um, but the one failure that, I, that scared, scared the heck out of me. Um, and I learned very much from it. And I don't even know if Joe knows this, but, um, back in the day before we had cloud-based systems, we had a computer server with our property management software on it. And we had backups and, and everything else, but we never tested when the thing would go down, how would we get it back up? So I came into work. It was, I think it was a Tuesday morning and our server's down. Nobody can operate the property management system on site. And basically I shut the whole company down and I'm sitting there going, oh boy, what do I do? <laughs> so I call our IT group and they're like, well, just get this little disc out and put it in this machine and and do this and do that. And I did all that and nothing worked. Um, so we were down for a whole day and I'm thinking, well, 
I need to update my resume. Um, I need to tell Joe that I've shut the company down and um, what am I going to do here? So it was, it was a, a very scary 24 hours, but we got it back up. And if you notice now, we are completely cloud-based. <laughs> we have a lot of IT people. We test our uh, redundancy and our systems and we back everything up. But I learned very much the hard way how one person and one server can actually shut a company down, and it's never going to happen again because we're very secure now. Yes, we are. I thought that happened the other day in our office. Yeah, (laughs) when the internet went down. Joe, did you know about that? I don't know anything about it. (laughs) Don't want to know about it. He was giving you the look like when I accidentally say a story in front of my parents that they never knew I snuck out or something. He he didn't know. So now we've talked about all the business stuff, right? We've gotten all that out of the way. We want to know about some fun questions um, that everybody wants to know. So, Joe, we want to know how many cars you really have in your garage. Are you talking about the full-size ones or the toy ones? Well, let's go with the ones that are real, full-size automotive. No, I hate to admit it, but it's been obviously a long and successful career. And one of the rewards and, and my passion is the car collecting and driving and uh, as of today, it's 94. 94. So one car for every property. It, it turns out to be perfectly coincidental. <laughs> um, actually, when I, when I started, I would get myself a little uh, Lucite, one for every property. Aww. And believe it or not, I actually have a Lucite for every property we've ever done since 1995. But uh, yes, it's 94 cars today. And uh, all I can say is I don't sell so it won't be my problem when I'm gone in 20, 30, 40 years. My kids will have to sort it out. Well, how did, how did you even become interested in collecting cars? Well, I have to admit it was actually out of jealousy. Um, from when I was a young kid, um, some people, you know, when I was going to school, their parents would buy them their first car when they turned 16 or buy them a car for graduation or whatever. And I had to buy my own car, and it was a $400 Rambler which was a car that existed before you guys were born. Um, (laughs) But uh, I used to look at some of these other kids with envy, and I said, one day I'm going to have really cool cars. And then when I was able to do it, I did. And fortunately, with my wife's support and permission, um, I've been allowed to grow my collection. It's a good collection, too. One day I hope to have a collection very close to it. All right, Jim, we're dying to know what your uh, dream job was as, as a child. Uh, well, it was to be president of a multifamily company. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> what we all dream of. <laughs> I wanted to be a pilot. You did? Yep. Really? I, yep. And um, I I saved up and took flying lessons. And um, after the third one, and the, the instructor said, you know, I'm out of brown paper bags because I would get airsick really, really bad. So I gave that up and decided I'll just sit on the plane and let someone else fly it. So that was my dream job. But I love that you're telling us you get airsick on planes right before we're about to get on the plane with you. I yes. Yes, thank yeah. you. Great. Make sure that we're not sitting anywhere close say, to, you. Next to you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of things that you guys uh, had when you were growing up, what were your life mottos when you were getting older? Like, did you guys have mottos that you like to live by? Joe, you've kind of said some of your mottos now, but did you have any when you were younger? Well, the first one my grandfather taught me was give and ye shall receive. It's a good one. Always a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Can't go wrong with that one. Nope. nope. Jen? Um, mine is 
a lot of people know this. It's um, it's from Elvis. It's taking care of business. Oh yeah. Yes. There so we go. that's TCB. Always a fan of that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good one. All right, we have three final questions for each of you guys as we wrap up. Uh oh. I know the final three. Are these make sure they're G-rated? They are. We, they are all appropriate. That's why we gave you guys new buzzers. <laughs> new buzzers. Everything's appropriate. All right, Jim's first, right? Yeah. Yes. So is there is there one thing you could change personally or professionally? If there was one thing, what would that be? You know, a pop, there's probably a thousand things that would change, but I I kind of always go with learn from the things you want to change and make yourself better from that. So I always kind of look forward. I never look back because you can't change the past. You can only change the future. So that's kind of how I guess I've overcome my 1,072 things that I don't like um, by just focusing on the forward. Wow, that was a really great answer. Well, you wrote it down for me right here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for both of you, I'm going to start with Jim first. What is your word for 2022? For example, mine is contagious, Um, not COVID contagious. But um, when Derek Brooks came to speak to us at our manager's meeting, uh, that really said a lot about, is your attitude contagious? So that's my word for 2022. And do you want people to catch it? Yes. Yes. My positive, being positive. uh, You are very contagious. You are. Yes. Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Joe. What about you, Jim? Did, did you think I'm contagious, too? Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty much every day. That's why I live by your office. Both of, both of you are great examples, all kidding aside, of positive, contagious attitudes. Oh, and Perfect. because both of you, not only do you exemplify that in your personal lives, but because you both interact so much throughout the company, you really are spreaders. You're super spreaders. We're, <laughs> We're positive. Oh, that's not even good. positive super spreaders. You're positive We're... energy super spreaders. I like it. That's right. What's your word, Jim? Uh, for 2022, I look at, last year was definitely interesting. I don't think anyone could have predicted how that turned out. And we had a heck of a year. But I look at 2022 as um, I'm really focused in on success and making sure that we're a successful company because this is the year where I think things will tend to normalize out and I'm looking for us as leaders and as team members to um, create a very successful 2022. Joe? My word's real simple, enthusiasm. enthusiasm. I'm excited about what we're gonna do and I'm excited about this year. I did want to bring up Derek Brooks for a second because you mentioned Derek Brooks and I really loved having him at our manager's conference. He was such a great speaker. Um, And I really loved uh, how involved he was with the community. And we've been trying to get more involved with our philanthropy last year. We did quite a few things and, you know, we've been doing more and more philanthropy work with American Landmark. Um, And so I just kind of wanted to get you guys feedback on what you thought of Derek and, and his speech and what he does with the community. I mean, there were so many things I learned about him and his work, um, you know, while he was at the manager's conference. So I just kind of wanted to hear from you guys because I didn't really know that much about him. Um, You know what you thought? Well, he was truly remarkable. I mean, the presentation was remarkable. And what I felt was particularly amazing, several things. First, He used the old acronym TEAM, which we all have heard a million times. Together, everyone achieves more. But the way he broke it down, not just what he said and how he said it, but the way he broke it down into actionable words and steps, I thought was just amazing, spot on, educational, and I'll steal it for some of my future speeches. 
But I think the thing, and I had lunch with him yesterday, Rachel and I, and we had a wonderful time, and we're going to get more involved with his community activities. He's going to get more involved with our mentoring programs. But the thing that knocked the socks off of me was here's a guy who's won the Super Bowl, multiple pro bowler, all-star, Hall of Famer, every accolade an athlete could ever want in the most elite of elite groups. And what was the most meaningful of all his awards was the most exclusive of all, which was that he won the Walter Payton Award. Yeah. You know, if there's 50 people get a Super Bowl ring every year, still pretty darn elite. There's a couple hundred people in the Hall of Fame, still pretty darn elite. But every year there's only one Walter Payton winner. And that's to the person who does the most service for the community among the NFL players. And he was proudest of that achievement among all the other amazing things that he had done. And that speaks to his heart and his character. I agree. He made me tear up. And I was just getting a little teary-eyed just now when you were saying that. That's, it, he's the real deal. When he was talking about that, it was there was so much more passion and emotion than anything else that he spoke about, I feel like, that day. And, you know, he was so excited. And it's amazing to think that Tony Dungy coached, what, three three of the people that have received that award, yeah. I think he said. Which yeah. is incredible. I love Tony Dungy. He's also a really amazing motivational person. Um, so he, Derek was just great when he came in and spoke. And um, Jim, I think you said something to me after that you were you took away from Derek. There was one thing that he said that you were going to be doing. Did you start doing it yet? Do you remember? No. You don't? <laughs> I don't. You don't? Can you remind me? And then It was I'll... about his kids. Oh, what he does with yes, his kids. yes, and I did the same thing. Um, when he mentioned, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. When he <laughs> mentioned that uh, he would drive his kids to school and he would have a conversation with each one of them, um, and I actually one of the things I love doing is taking my kids to school. And what he said is he always makes sure he has a conversation on the way to school. So I do that with my kids, both my kids. I drop my daughter off first, then my son. So I always, um, I've always done it, but now I'm very, uh, very much more aware of it. And I have a conversation with my daughter and I have a conversation with my son. And those are like the best part of my day. I love that. He he gave me another, speaking of children, a really great line yesterday that he says he uses, which is kids are more in need of models than critics. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. He's yeah. so awesome. I could listen to him talk all day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have one final question. And it's for Joe. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is your vision for 2022? That's a big one. Of course, my, my biggest vision is, honestly, in my personal world, do more for others. Because that's something that's becoming more and more important in today's world. But um, I'd say my favorite motto continues to be bigger, better, smarter. That's my vision, bigger, better, smarter. I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to be bigger, better, and smarter in my personal life, in my business life, and in my service life. There we go, that yeah. wraps it up. Please. I know. We really appreciate you taking the time yeah. today. We're so honored to be the first yeah. guest. Yeah, we're, first guest. This we're is very awesome. excited. We really appreciate you guys taking time out. We know you guys are always slammed. And Is there yeah. anything that we didn't ask you that you want our listeners to know? Nothing that we want to say on the air. Okay. And, and cut. Yeah, and that's the end. <laughs> so 
So Thanks, we appreciate guys. everybody uh, taking time to listen to our first podcast with Jim and Joe. And we will look forward to talking to everybody on our next one. We'll catch you on the fly. Thanks. That's it for this week's episode of On the Fly with Dana and Devin. Be sure to follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Instagram at On the Fly with D&D. You don't want to miss our next episode. Catch Catch you on on the fly. fly.